Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How Do You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Ariadne Wolf, who is a partnerships and communication strategist. Hi, Ariadne. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me here. So let's start off, I guess, with an introduction about who you are and perhaps a main answer to the question of the podcast, which is how do you do it and why should I care? Absolutely. Um, I think that's an excellent place to start. So my story begins about 10 years ago, around the end of 2009 and the beginning of 2010. I was living in Santa Cruz at the time, and I was actually homeless. I'd moved to Santa Cruz for college, but just dealt with a series of challenges that completely destroyed any internal resilience I had. My eating disorder came back and almost killed me. Um, I started dealing with my trauma for the first time and dealing with family-wide denial. One of my best friends OD'd on my kitchen floor, and I didn't know how to cope. So I dropped out of college and I couch surfed and I couch surfed for a while, um, but eventually I wound up sleeping in the forest near UC Santa Cruz. I don't tell this story all that often. Um, I think if there's any downside to living through hell and coming out the other side again, it's that mostly you're around people who can't really relate to what you're talking about. When I talk about homelessness with people in my life these days, we're usually talking about homelessness in the general sense. We're not talking about people they actually know or have ever met. But we're talking about me and people I actually knew, people I loved and people who loved me. There's this thing that happens when you're living through hell. You and other people get get real close real quick. That closeness is hard to hold on to when you have things again and a roof over your head and stuff to hold on to. You start to put up walls. Even so, the experience never fully leaves you. I spent years trying to figure out how to put myself back together. Um, it took a really long time to feel like a person again, to feel like I had a future or deserved a future. I'm telling you the story because this is my story. Internally, this is much more my story than any of my recent successes are. I could have started by telling you that my most recent consulting job paid me $50 an hour. And for me, that's much more than I've ever made before. Or that I was just nominated for a National Creative Writing Award for the third time. I can tell you I'm one 50-page thesis away from my second master's degree and that I'm the only member of my entire extended family of my generation with even one graduate degree. But mostly I feel successful because I'm still fighting to be a decent person, to hold on to what really matters to me. I'm still putting energy into activism and trying to reshape professional leadership spaces I'm in to make space for more disabled people and more working class people like me to belong. I think being a professional who has a soul and knows it in this capitalist society can be a difficult thing because it's easy to approach relationships with a transactional mindset, like we're all just out to get whatever we can from each other. But people were there for me and held me together when I didn't have anyone else. The worst places I've ever been have been the places where I found the most humanity. So that's what I'm really working for. When I run workshops about body image to teens or offer diversity and inclusion consulting to organizations that have never really considered that it's even important to make programming accessible so that fat people like me can navigate their space and feel safe or disabled people like me can physically navigate the space and be safe or working class people like me have some opportunity to access the organization at all. Or even when I offer communication strategy and branding support to nonprofits that are struggling to connect their message with an increasingly cynical audience, that's still the work I'm doing. I'm trying to do the difficult but endlessly rewarding and utterly necessary work 
of humanizing people who tend to be dismissed as unimportant. They, we, are not unimportant to me. Wow, that's so inspirational that you kind of bounce back from such a bad time in your life and you use that as a positive thing to really as use as motivation. And I'm curious, what inspired you then to become a partnerships and communication strategist? Was it a culmination of those experiences that you'd had prior in your life or was it one specific point where you you just thought this is a career for me? You know, I think it's a combination. Um, initially, I saw a need and I filled it. I'm using my skills to benefit mission-driven organizations doing work that I care about. It's really what I've always wanted to do. And frankly, just someone needs to do that. Someone needs to show Sunrise and the Sierra Club how to work together, how to talk to each other. If we're ever going to tackle huge obstacles our society faces, like the climate crisis or reforming the police, we need to work together. The very first step is learning how to talk to each other, learning how to speak each other's language. That's where I can. I really see myself as a bridge. You know, I teach organizations how to reinterpret their own goals, to reshape their brands and better communicate their messages in the name of collaborative struggle to save our species and our planet. Wow. And um, following on from that, you mentioned that you were just one 50 page thesis away from getting your second graduate degree, which is super impressive. But what were the best resources that helped you along in your journey? Um, Was it school or was it some other things as well? Obviously, you mentioned people as well, because when you're going through a really tough time, you get closer with the people around you. Yeah, you know, that's such a good question. Honestly, the lesson I've learned is resources are anything that helps keep you going. So for me, sometimes like today, that's watching Rugrats and drinking kombucha and um, learning how to be a badass bitch from Angelica, but learning how to be compassionate from Tommy right? Um, Sometimes for me, it's been reading second wave feminists of color um, and learning decolonizing theory from them, because I still think they were right about everything. Um, And everyone should read Audre Lorde and learn from her and learn from Gloria Anzaldúa. I think the world is still catching up, catching up to their brilliance. And I hope it it catches up real soon. I think I see literally anything that heals me or makes me feel confident as a resource. Um, I try and surround myself with um, statues of goddesses and skirts that feel goddessy and um, feminine and make me feel comfortable and confident. I bite earrings that make me feel powerful. I mean, we have to participate in this capitalist exchange and trade, right? Um, We can't opt out of buying things or consuming entertainment. At least that's what I think. So instead I try and consume consciously and treat everything I consume as a potential resource. They can make me stronger and make me more capable of building the world I want to live in. Awesome. And uh, following on from that, it seems like you've been through a lot of hardships and you've learned so many lessons from this. And I'm just curious, thinking back on your life, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Um, That's a really good question. I think I honestly just feel like I wasted so many years trying to live the life I was taught I should live instead of the life I wanted to live. I had this corporate image of what a nonprofit professional looked like, and I was trying to live up to that, complete with like pantyhose and high heels and getting my nails done every week and a lot of things that I hated and was not very good at. Um, I tried to look the part instead of being the part. I was like swallowing my own feelings and getting sick all the time because I was I was angry and grieving and just didn't give myself any space to feel any of those emotions. Because of that, I wound up. Um, like leaving professional situations in order to avoid conflict instead of stepping up to the plate. 
I stepped away from jobs I liked because my supervisor was cruel or my boss was harassing me or my coworker stepped over the line. I just didn't know how to fight back and I didn't know how to teach myself how to do that. I didn't really know I had personal power and I definitely didn't know how to leverage that power to make space for myself in places where maybe like nobody else really wanted me there, but I had a right to be there. And I didn't have the self-confidence to believe that, you know, if I was being paid to be there, um, if I had a right to take up that space, then I needed to be there fully and in my power and say what I needed to say because no one else is going to say it for me. Definitely. And um, following on from that, you've been giving some really, really great advice, which could be related to career, but also to life in general. But I'm curious, what is one piece of advice that you would give somebody who was wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Yeah, you know, I would tell them, you probably don't need that extra degree. Um, I love the experience of getting my MFA, but in retrospect, I don't think it was necessary. Um, I think I was trying really hard to be respectable. So I think my advice would be like, you don't have to be respectable. You know, you don't need a super fancy degree if it's not going to help you do what you need to do in the world. You don't need to pay fancy money for fancy workshops. Um, if you want to be a writer, you know, find an author you like chances are they host workshops already or someone similar to them does go to those workshops and learn at their feet. Um, and the same goes for, for being a consultant. You know, there are so many templates available online. There's so much advice available for free. I was just at a two hour workshop yesterday learning from some of the top coaches and consultants in the field. Um, and that advice is invaluable, you know, and it's, it's readily accessible. Figure out what, kind of professional you want to be and then just go be it you know don't don't take the time trying to to look the part or um making sure you have the experience on paper to do the thing you want to do just go live your life as though you already are that person because you are inside you know and and to convince other people you just have to believe yourself first definitely and um following on from that I feel like this industry might have a lot of myths about it. So I'm curious, what is one common myth about your profession that you would like to debunk right here, right now? Um, Yeah, I think, I think both of those things are heavily mythologized. Um, I think being a writer in particular, you know, similar to what I just said, being a writer or a consultant or anything else, it's not about actually being, the best in your field in terms of the most qualified or the most talented or even the most skilled. Um, And I don't even think it's really about working the hardest. I think that we, you know, live in this like still quite puritanical society that believes way too much in the value of um, working a lot of hours and not enough in in kind of knowing how to work. I think being any of these things, it's, it's about actually being the thing, you know, it's knowing who you, it's knowing you're already that thing deep down inside, putting time aside to read about it and learn about it and invest in it and invest in the um, not as sexy parts of building your business, like being on social media and networking, even though networking makes like nine out of 10 people super uncomfortable, but we still all have to do it, right? Um, you have to know deep down inside that that what you're doing is worth it, that you're going to get where you need to be because it's where it's where you have to be. It's what you're here to do. Um then you have to put the energy into actually making it happen. I mean, we all put, I like, I think back on my life and I think about all of the times that I went out to, I don't know, like fancy pizza with cocktails with friends and and dropped, you know, $50 in one night or something like that, that I didn't really have because I was trying to like 
look like I was having fun instead of participating in um, workshops about how to use my voice more effectively or taking online community college classes about communication. You know, we make these decisions that we don't pay that much attention to in the moment and and that we think are making us happy. And then we exhaust ourselves, we exhaust our internal resources, we exhaust our financial resources doing that. And we don't have as much time and energy then to put into actually building the life we want. So really, I think the most important thing is, is look at where you're putting your energy, right? Look at where you're spending your valuable, precious resources that you're never going to get back and make sure that that matches the life you want to live. Definitely. And um, as a writer, I feel like you would have some really great book recommendations. So what have you read or listened to recently that's really inspired you? Absolutely. Um, Well, Right now I'm reading Leslie Marmon Soko's book, Ceremony, um, which I definitely really recommend. I think that, you know, a lot of times we all, we see Oprah's book club um, recommend books or we hear about a book in a class and we know that we really ought to read it, but then we just like put it on a shelf for a few or put it on a metaphorical shelf for a few years or put it on an Amazon wish list and tell ourselves we're going to get to it someday when we have the time. Um, I've really been making an effort this year to get to those books because the truth is like this year was that time, right. To get to all those things we've been putting aside, putting on the shelf. So um, I've been trying to do that. And I, I feel like I'm kind of finally becoming the person that I, that I truly want to be. Um, and reading books like this one are a great way to get there. Awesome. And following on from that, I feel like in your life, you've really relied on people as well to kind of get your morale and your spirits up. So I'm curious, who are three people in your life who have been the most influential to you? Absolutely. Um, you know, I was a kid who always had my nose in book, partly because the people around me oftentimes were a huge disappointment. Um, and so as much as I've had really, truly amazing and transformational relationships as an adult, the people who really shaped my psyche most were writers. You know, when I was a kid, um, Jeanette Winterson, Audre Lorde, Madeline Lingle, Tamora Pierce, many, many more. Um, you know, I... I, I figure I figure when it comes to real life people in your life, I try not to let anyone shape me, right? I let people help me shape my own life, but I shape me. Mm. No, that's a really good that's a really good um sort of mantra to have in life. And yeah, at the end of the day, sometimes you are your own best advocate and it's important to remember that too. Absolutely. And then finally to round off our conversation, what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life? Um, that is such a good question. I really wish I could go back in my life and um, insist that I change so many things. But I think the most important thing is just don't waste time putting up with bullshit. You know, don't waste time, period. When you're young, it feels like you have forever. And then one day you wake up and you realize that you spend an awful lot of time doing what other people wanted or... Um, doing what you thought would make you happy without ever really tapping into yourself and thinking about whether it was serving you or not. Um, so don't waste time fitting in or getting by. It's not worth nearly as much as you think it is. And I think like women particularly, we put up with too much shit. Like everyone, <laughs> right? everyone does, but with women, it's it's obvious and we just keep doing it. We make 
we make jokes about how our boyfriends don't do the dishes or how our husbands don't know how to take care of their own kids or how that one day it was dangerous and we barely got away. And like, why is that funny? That's not funny. <laughs> like we need to stop laughing about these horrible things or, and these like, like injustices really that we live through. And we need to think instead about if we really want to live like this and why we're choosing to live like this and what we're afraid of. Um, and if, I mean, I think a lot of times there are real genuine things in those scenarios to be afraid of, but we're, we're so busy trying to convince ourselves everything is fine that we forget to approach our own lives from a solutions oriented perspective. And instead we spend a lot of time sort of tossing between tossing and turning between two potential solutions when, you know, we, we already know what we're going to do, right. We just need to kind of get up the courage and get up the guts to do it and deal with the consequences but we need to have integrity and self-respect um, and we need to make sure that we're, that the choices we make today are going to serve the person that we want to become tomorrow. Definitely. Well, that's a lovely note to end on. So thank you so much, Ariadne, for taking the time to speak with me today. It was truly wonderful to hear your story and to just hear about the amazing work that you do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for inviting me here, Leila. Um, I really have appreciated speaking with you and speaking with, your audience and I think um, this project you're working on is so important and so I hope that I was useful to somebody out there. Amazing well thank you then bye-bye.